Hi, everyone. Welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And before we get into anything, you want to talk about your trip? Yeah, sure. So I was at Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure this past weekend with Amanda and Kaylee. And we specifically went there for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which was amazing. <laughs> it was so much fun. And I got to go on the Hagrid ride, which Kels, last time we went, it didn't exist yet. Oh, yeah, it is now my favorite ride. It was so incredible. Was it like a roller coaster? A really fucking fast roller coaster. Oh my god, cool. With lots of twists and turns and cool shit added into it. But usually the line wait for that can be up to like three hours because so many people want to go on it. And our first day there, we had early bird passes. So we got there when the park opened at 8. And we only had like a 30-minute wait for the ride, which is amazing. So our second day there, we wanted to go on it again at night. And actually, this whole fiasco happened where we ended up being online for almost two hours. And then the ride closed because of technical difficulties. Oh and Yeah. And they comped everyone that was waiting in line fast passes for the next day. But we were leaving the next day. So they comped us fast passes that won't expire for whenever we go back. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, but it was such a good time. I got really bad sunburn though because we didn't bring suntan lotion because all we packed were backpacks for four days. Oh my god, because of the price of fucking checked bags? Yeah, we literally got space bags. Shout out Nancy, thank you for that idea. And (laughs) we, we packed backpacks for four days of vacation. And because I didn't want to bring a liquid in my personal bag, I didn't pack any sunscreen and we didn't get burnt at the parks or anything. But our very last morning there, we laid by the pool for three hours before our flight and we all got really burned. Oh my God. Did you fly Spirit? Yes, we did. Yeah, they, I just flew them actually this past weekend too. And it was like (sighs) price of a carry-on bag before check-in. $70. (laughs) $70. Yes. <laughs> I was like, no. My fucking flight was 100 I was like, you're insane. I packed a backpack too. Yeah. Thank God we did. And I'm going to just try to do that from now on because I had everything I needed in there minus the sunscreen. But really quick, funny story. On the way back, my bag got pulled aside and they had to pull the bag apart. And guess what I got pulled aside for? Um, What? My tarot cards. What? Yeah. They were I like, guess... no magic on this flight. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, bitch, I just came from the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe it just picked up on the screen as being like a box and they didn't know what was in it. But I asked the guy after, I had two interactive wands in my bag. So I was like, <laughs> was it the wands? And he's like, no. And I was like, I brought little chocolates back for Ava. I was like, was it the box of chocolates? And he was like, it was your tarot cards. Oh my God, that's so funny. You think it would be the wands. I know. Apparently those are allowed on a plane as long as you don't say Avada Kedavra to someone. (laughs) (laughs) Did you stay on Disney property? Yeah, we stayed at a Universal hotel. It's actually a new hotel through Universal called Endless Summer. And they have 
two separate ones and it was beautiful like I had zero complaints about the whole entire experience on the trip I mean even the two hours we were waiting online and the ride not happening that kind of sucked but the way the staff handled it and everything was more than compensation I think so oh well that's good yeah it was fun so how was your weekend It was good. I got to see my siblings. Shout out Jamie, Elise, and Mike. I miss them. I haven't seen them in probably a few months, maybe maybe more than that. But I stayed at Elise's house, and I got to see my friends as well. And it was just like a really nice, relaxing weekend. And I took Monday off and I flew, which I never do. I always drive to Pittsburgh, which is five and a half hours. So the flight was much more relaxing. I'm sure. We missed each other in the airport by only a couple hours. I know. I was going to say, even though I fucking despise Newark Airport, and I'm (laughs) so sorry if you work there, but it's bad, and it's no one's fault. There's always construction, and the way they have the gate set up makes zero sense, so I was so confused, but I figured it out. We're good. (laughs) Good. Yeah, I think they just redid a whole section of the airport. Were you in that part? No, so I was in the spirit. So I was supposed to get off at Terminal B. So I my Uber dropped me off there. I print out my boarding pass and it says my gate is 41A. So I'm like, like, what the hell? Where is 41A? So I go to the spirit TSA line and it says 40B through 41B or whatever. So I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm like, okay, I have to go to Terminal A. So I get on the air tram to go to Terminal A and it's like, this is for airlines, United, JetBlue, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the hell? So I get back off and I go back. Thank God I like left extra time. And I asked the TSA person at the front of like the security line in Spirits Terminal at Terminal B. I was like, am I in the right place? They didn't even look at my boarding pass. And they Uh were like, just go through this line. They knew exactly what was happening. Yeah. So I make it through the line and all over the place it's saying 40B, 40B, 40B. And my terminal is 41A or my gate is 41A. So I'm like, what the fuck? So I get all the way to the end where it's like the big opening of all the gates. And it says 40B, 41A, 42B. And I'm like, so it's, every- mixed. <laughs> it's fucking mixed in with all the Bs. But I was like, who designed this? Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad you finally found your terminal and in time to make your flight. Yeah, I got there just as they were boarding. So I was like, this is nerve wracking. Wow. But it was good. It was a good weekend. It was worth it. Good. I'm glad you had a good weekend. Yeah. So before we get into our coffee reviews, I want to make a quick announcement. It's kind of a big announcement. And... I want everyone to know that this isn't something that I took lightly and this has come from months and months of contemplation and trying to figure out everything on my end. But unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to continue doing the podcast. I'm not going to be able to continue doing Crime Colts and Coffee. And it really hurts me that, you know, I'm not able to do this. This is something that I loved And it's just, it comes down to personal reasons. And I hope everybody out there can understand that, especially parents, you know, being, becoming pregnant has really shifted my priorities and I need to make changes in my life that make room for that. 
And I know you guys are amazing and I know you guys will understand, but just know that it really hurts me and I don't want to let anybody down at all in the slightest, but I think you guys will be supportive of this knowing that it's for the reasons that it is. So Mm -hmm. as of right now, Bryn is going to continue the podcast and, you know, she'll talk more about that later on, but tonight is going to be the last physical recording that we're doing and we have one more episode that will be released where I am there as well. Yeah and hopefully at some point you'll come back and at least guest host with me. Yeah. (laughs) But obviously I'm going to miss you and I know everyone else will as well. Yeah so yeah like I said it's not something that I took lightly and I know that you guys have probably been faced with similar situations where you've had to make something really, really tough like this. And it it is what it is. And I'm doing what's best for me. So I hope you guys can support that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So should we move into our coffee review now that you've made that announcement? Yeah, we'll put a little bit of a lighter note. Do you want to go first? Sure. For today's coffee, I'm reviewing a coffee gifted to me by Amanda. Thank you, Amanda. She gifted me a coffee that is called the Eclipse Dark Roast, and it is from Catfight Coffee. Their bags are so adorable. They're located in Newark, New Jersey, and this coffee blend, like I just said, is a dark roast. I'm going to just read a little blurb on the bag, but I'm not going to go into too much detail since this was a gifted coffee. So it says that the tasting notes are baker's chocolate, black cherry, and a long full mouth finish. And I am drinking this coffee black. I really like it. I like how I do taste a little bit of a chocolatey note to it. Not so much the cherry, but I think that this is a really good dark roast because even though you can taste the darkness of it, it doesn't have that bitter sulfury taste, which they actually make a point to say on their bag that there's no sulfury taste to this roast. Yum. So I think I would like this coffee a little bit better with maybe some flavored creamer in it since it isn't a flavored coffee aside from those underlying notes like the little bit of chocolate that I taste. But I would rate this a probably a 7.58. Although, like I said, with a little bit of creamer, I think I'd rate it a little higher. Yum. I love dark roast now. I feel like it's like the only thing I want to drink. Same. (laughs) All right. So thank you, Amanda. That's awesome that she gave you that. Yeah. The bag is adorable. Wait till you guys see the picture of it. What's it called again? Catfight Coffee, Catfight. and they do have some blends on their website that sound really good. Cool. So I might have to reach out to them in the future. Yeah. All right. I'm going to jump into mine. It's a recipe, and this is for French toast latte. Ooh. I know. I don't think we've ever done a French toast one before. So mm-hmm. um, it says a morning coffee with a sweet maple cinnamony flavors for breakfast. And the recipe is one teaspoon of cinnamon, two to three pumps of maple syrup, one shot of espresso, half a cup of oat milk frothed, vanilla frosting for the swirl design at the bottom of the cup. And that's optional. 
Ooh, that's different. I know. And wait until you see the picture. This It just looks so fucking good. So we'll post the picture, obviously, but try it out. Let me know if you make it. I'm going to try to make it. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I still want to make the Biscoff one from last week because it just sounds so easy. Yeah. So maybe this will have to be added to the list as well. Yeah, it sounds pretty amazing. Delish. Cool. So are you ready to get into it? Yes, I am. And why don't you say the little spiely before we get into it? (laughs) So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. All right. So I'm going to start off today's episode. We're going to be talking about Rita Curran. And a little bit of background. Rita Curran was born June 21st of 1947 in New York, New York. Her parents were Mary Eleanor Donahue Curran, that was her mom, and her dad was Thomas F. Curran. Her brother was also Thomas Curran, and her sister is Mary Curran Campbell. She lived in Burlington, Vermont, and she had her own apartment at 17 Brooks Avenue. She basically just moved out of her parents' house for the first time, and she was living in this new apartment with three roommates. She didn't know these roommates very well prior to moving in with them, but I mean, I feel like you don't really know a lot of your roommates before you move in with them half the time, so. And she was 24 years old at the time of the story. She was said to have a love for music and was a talented singer, and she was also said to be kind, smart, hardworking, and a beloved teacher. Aww. Yeah. She was a second grade teacher at Milton Elementary School, and she was spending the summer of 1971 working at a local motel as a maid at the Colonial Motor Inn. So this inn is in the South Burlington area near Elizabeth Lund Home for Unwed Mothers. And this is just a random side note that will come into play later for a little bit. It doesn't really mean too much, but This is where Ted Bundy was born, at this Elizabeth Lund home for unwed mothers. Interesting. Yeah, so that was a weird tie-in. And she was also taking graduate courses at the University of Vermont. So she basically is just starting off her career. She's, you know, she moved out of her parents' house, and she has some independence now. Busy woman. Yes. July 19th into the early hours of July 20th, 1971, Rita returned home to her Brooks Avenue apartment sometime after 10 p.m. She was last seen alive at around 11.20 p.m. During this time, her roommates left to go to a restaurant and the doors were left unlocked, which I feel like in the 1970s was a very common thing. I know and it's like it's sad that it was mentioned because it almost kind of puts the blame towards the roommates at that point but like that's a super I I feel like no one locked their doors then exactly so hopefully they haven't dwelled on that too much over the years yeah the roommates returned home around 12 30 a.m so they were really only gone for about an hour and they sat in the living room and were talking for about an hour Around 1.30 a.m., her roommates discovered Rita's body in her bedroom with curlers in her hair. Police said that she had, quote, put up a vicious struggle, 
She had been severely beaten, sexually assaulted, and she had been strangled. Oh my god, this poor woman. I can't even imagine, especially living on your own for the first time. Right. I mean, no no one expects something like this to happen, but I can't even imagine what she went through. She had to have been so scared and so confused and it's just awful. And the minute she got like a little bit of freedom, I just can't even imagine too. Her roommates came home, they were just hanging out and then like an hour passes before they had even realized what happened. Yeah. It's that's so scary. So a Lark cigarette butt, which was the brand of the cigarette, had been found on the floor near Rita. And the connection of where Rita worked to being in close proximity to where Bundy was born had people thinking he may be a suspect, even though he was living on the West Coast at this time. I feel like so that was a big stretch, but, you know, at any you have to consider everything. Right, and there's the tie-in back to Bundy. Maybe people even started speculating that because they knew where he was born. Yeah. Curran's sister actually wrote a letter to Bundy before he was executed in 1989 asking if he had any association, and the FBI wrote back saying he did not deny or acknowledge it. What a shit thing. Yeah, but I feel like that's a very Ted Bundy thing to do. Like, he was a fucking psychopath, so he either really just didn't care to answer or it made him feel good to not answer or it was part of his game. Who knows? It made him feel like he had some kind of power over somebody he didn't even know. Right. So moving on to the investigation, police questioned those that were close to Rita They also questioned people living in the apartment complex, of course, naturally. Mm -hmm. And time passed with no one being charged for her murder. In 2014, investigators sent the cigarette butt and other evidence for DNA analysis. And a DNA profile was formed. That is so crazy how much time had already passed. 1971 to 2014. I know, and I was going to say, I just can't even believe that, that they thought to keep that evidence that long. And that for once, for once, a police department kept it protected so nicely. I know. So even though the DNA profile was formed, no matches to other samples were found in DNA databases at the time. So no one in the National Database of Felons matched And it also didn't match the DNA of the police's 13 main suspects at the time. Hmm. So they had a profile, but they were like hitting dead ends, basically. Yeah. Moving on to 2019, so a lot more recent, the investigation into the murder of Rita was renewed. This case had never been closed, but a new team dove into it with fresh eyes, which is so amazing. Burlington Police Detective Lieutenant James Treb, the commander of the Detective Services Bureau, and a team of detectives, technicians, and officers started picking apart the case piece by piece. Her case had been the oldest cold case in the Burlington Department. Yeah, and something crazy about that that I had read, which is absolutely amazing on Lieutenant Treb's part and the Burlington Police Department's part, is that... Typically, when a case is looked into, they only have one person 
picking up that case and like looking over a cold case, especially one that's that old. And he decided to pull in this whole team of all these people and basically look at the case like it was the first day on the case, like it had just happened. Yeah, and that's amazing. I just, it's so lucky and diligent that they, that somebody decided to take a second look into this. Right, and that they used all those resources. He was just like, no, we're, we're looking at this like a fresh case, and we're moving forward with it, which is just so incredible. Right. This team also wanted to take another look into DNA from the cigarette butt and from DNA found on Rita's clothing, which is amazing. And this is all one big quote from CBS News, quote, the detectives who picked up the case in 2019 contracted with a DNA testing company and the samples were compared with genetic material submitted to commercial DNA testing companies by members of the public, which is a really cool concept. Eventually, the detectives were told the DNA was pointing towards a man named William DeRuz. And this is another quote from USA Today, quote, C.C. Moore, scientist and genealogy expert at Paraben Nano Labs, was able to match the DNA to William DeRuz within hours of research through genealogical records and public records. Wow. Again, Parabon Nanolabs for the win. Honestly, it's so crazy and cool that they were able to do this. Yeah, and Cece Moore is a badass that she was able to do that within a couple hours. Insane, like literally a genius. It had been traced to him through relatives on both sides of his family. A living half-brother also provided DNA, validating the match for investigators. Good for him. Mm-hmm. DeRuz had no DNA profile on record. And therefore, he wouldn't have shown up in past DNA searches in databases when it just had been DNA compared against samples collected by law enforcement. So, like, he didn't have a reason to have his DNA collected because he kind of, like, laid low. Right. He must not have had any kind of record and never had submitted his DNA. I mean, way back when, that wasn't even a concept. So They're just catching up on all that. DNA left on Rita's ripped house coat also matched the DNA on the cigarette butt. So that validates it's the same person as well. Right. Advances in DNA technology and genetic genealogy came through clutch again. I mean, we can't talk or praise it enough. I feel like in so many episodes, we've just, like we said, it, that should have been the cover of People magazine. Yeah. Honestly, like, I, it still surprises me to this day how much they're able to find out through DNA. I feel like the last two years have just been so life-changing in regards to DNA and it bringing closure to so many cases. Yeah, agreed. So who was William DeRuz and how was he connected to Rita? As everyone knows, we typically don't like to give too much background on the perpetrators, but we'll give what's necessary in order to make that connection to Rita and how things happened the way they did. He was 31 years old at the time, and some described him as a guru, which I found really interesting. Yeah, agreed. 
He had left his apartment the night of July 19th, 1971, which was when Rita was murdered, for a quote-unquote cool-down walk after a fight with his wife. When he came back, he told his wife to keep it between them that he had been out. Red flag. Mm-hmm. William DeRuse had been questioned by police after Rita's murder because he lived in the apartment above Rita with his wife. Another article said two floors above Rita, but regardless, he lived in the building. He and his wife had only been married for two weeks, and his wife Michelle provided an alibi for him that night. At the time, they said they had not seen or heard anything and that they had just both been in their apartment for the night. DeRuse had been a suspect of the police for years, though. So I don't know if he was considered one of those 13 that were mentioned earlier. I'm assuming not since his DNA did not match. Right. But at some point, he was considered a suspect. After Rita had been murdered, DeRuz and his wife left Vermont. Another red flag. Right. DeRuz then moved to Thailand and became a monk. So random. That is the most contradicting thing I've read in a while. Like, how do you murder somebody and then become a monk? Yeah. That's mind-blowing. Insane. He and his wife got divorced after he went to Thailand, and I'll note here that she did change her last name. She did not keep his last name. Good. Eventually, he came back to the U.S., although it was not stated when in any of the articles that we read, and honestly, I really don't care when he came back. Yeah. And he remarried. He had a history of violence against women, although obviously he never was... His fingerprints were never taken. His DNA was never taken. He must have never been charged for any of that. Yeah. Because they didn't, they didn't have his DNA on file. Right. It, there must have been, like, nothing filed. Mm-hmm. Or who knows, like, it, it might have been in the 70s, 80s, and policies were different, or records were kept differently, and maybe he even did submit DNA at once. This is me speculating, and it was, like not properly put in the system or something because there wasn't really a system. Yeah, exactly. So in 1986, DeRue died of an overdose in San Francisco, California, and Detective Thomas Shinette had recently interviewed DeRue's ex-wife. Her story has since changed, and she admitted to lying about DeRue's not leaving the apartment that night. Hmm. She told them he left their apartment briefly. She also said it was during the window of time, which matched up with when the roommates had been gone. So that kind of validates that as well, that he was gone during that period of time. Right. Detective Shinette says after speaking to her, quote, he didn't believe she knew he had killed Corinne but was protecting him because he had a criminal record. And that was a quote from CBS News. Wow. So that's that's the thought process that maybe he convinced her, like, I have a criminal record, just say this so they won't think it's me kind of thing. Right, and she just kind of went along with it. Yeah. 
Or who knows, maybe he was, he had a history of violence against women. Maybe he was abusing her and was like, if you say anything, I'm going to kill you. Right. And that's totally possible as well. None of it's her fault. Mm -hmm. Another direct quote from the detective was, quote, I think she lied at the time because she was young. She was naive. She was newly married. She was in love. That was another quote from CBS News. Right. They'd only been married for, what, two weeks? Yeah. Crazy. So moving on to the aftermath. Sadly, Rita's parents had died not knowing who had murdered their daughter. So heartbreaking. That is so awful. It's horrible. Her siblings, however, did receive those answers. Although DeRuz cannot be held accountable because he died of an overdose, the Burlington police and other authorities involved are confident in the evidence and that DeRuz was responsible. February 21st, 2023, which was literally this past Tuesday. And mom and dad's anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Good day. A news conference was held by Burlington Police Department, and they announced that the case was solved. Wow. Her family attended, and some spoke at this conference. I love that for them. I know. I just can't even imagine, like, the validation and closure that they could have gotten. Nothing's going to bring their sister back, but it's just it had to have been some kind of weight off of their shoulders. So Rita Curran's case will now be closed after 52 years. That's so incredible. I can't believe it. I'm like tearing up just thinking about it and the fact that this happened this week. Yeah, it's just so insane and I'm so happy for her and her family that something so horrible could be put to rest. Mm -hmm. So to end things with something happy, a former student of Rita's spoke out about this about his second grade teacher and the impact that she made on him. She had taught him five decades ago, so clearly she made a huge impact. That, like, makes me tear up just thinking about it. I know. Jim Robar said he remembered her being kind, generous, and a beautiful human inside and out. Oh. This is a quote from Jim as well. Quote, we actually did a play that year that I had her. I forgot what the play was about, but I was a dancing clown holding a teddy bear. (laughs) She told me that I could keep the teddy bear, and I still have the teddy bear. I just can't find it. Oh, my God. That's a quote from NBC5. That is so sweet. There's also a video of him saying it, and it's even sweeter. I'm going to go watch it. He also mentioned her passion for teaching and, quote, That's why her impact has been felt in his life for five decades. He doesn't want anyone to forget her name or legacy. And that's a quote again from NBC5. I love that. So sweet. I just can't get over her. She made a huge impact. She was a, you know, an amazing person. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. And he's so right by saying even though her case is solved, no one should forget her name or her legacy because... Obviously, she was an incredible human being who someone is still thinking about five decades later, aside from her family, and her life shouldn't have been taken. No, no. What she had to go through that night, how terrified she must have been, and, you know, 
than what her family had to go through until her parents died. And I read a, an article that her sister was talking about how it like ruined her parents. Oh, I'm sure it did. Yeah. That's just awful. I know I saw this. It was either an interview. I can't remember now. It was either an interview or an article where her brother was talking about how the family has had to go through so many generations now of people who will never get to meet her. And that's just awful. She was only 24 years old. Like, she had so much life to live. She's so sad. Yeah, her life is literally just starting. She literally just moved out of her family's home. Yeah. Just so awful. Really sad. All right. Well, do we have anything else we want to say before we wrap up this case? Oh, we forgot to talk about. Do you have any recommendations of anything oh. reading, watching, listening? I am reading Ugly Love. I think I mentioned it, but it's a Colleen Hoover book. It's not one of my favorites of hers. I've read a handful now. It's pretty good. It's just not, I think nothing will ever beat Verity for me, but it's a really good book. She's just a really fucking good writer and I like how she writes. So I'm hooked in the book right now. I'm going to have, oh, sorry, I just burped. I'm going to have to read that because I've never, first of all, I've never read a Colleen Hoover book. Oh my gosh. I know. And I hear so much about her, especially from you. And then Verity, I've heard of that book so many times now. It's like the perfect mixture of everything that I need to hear in a book. (laughs) Okay, I have to read it. And it was so well written. And it's literally I flew through it. I'm not a reader of people like it takes me a while and I fly through her books. Okay, good to know. Yeah. And I did start the new season of you, which I don't know how I feel. Did you start it? No, I have to, though. Timo and I recently started another show, which I don't know if I've mentioned yet, but I'll mention today just in case I haven't. But I have to start you. Yeah, it's I mean, I don't know how many seasons you can go through somebody being a serial killer and then thinking that they're not a serial killer without it getting old. So I think Mm -hmm. it's starting to get a little bit old this season. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I only got a few episodes in, but already I'm just like, I don't know how much more of this I can take. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm currently reading a book. I'm almost done with it. I was maybe a quarter of the way through it. And then I read it on the plane, especially while we were sitting on the plane delayed for an hour on the way home. Mm -hmm. So I'm almost done with it, but it's called All the Missing Girls by Megan Miranda. And I've heard of that. It's really good. I'm not so sure about the ending. I keep going back and forth about what's going to happen. And I feel like if it's one way, it's going to be good. And if it's another way that I'm leaning, I'm like, eh, I don't know. But the book itself has been really good so far. And then Timo and I are currently watching The Bear with Jeremy Allen White from Shameless. He plays Lip in Shameless. Oh, I've been wanting to start this. On Hulu. It is so good, Kels. You have to start it. Carson will like it too, so make sure you watch it with him. Okay, I'll have to wait until he gets back from his trip. Yeah, we just started it this past week, and we are obsessed. The first episode, I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to really like this. And then three quarters of the way in, I was like, wow, I'm hooked. Wow, okay. It's the bear and it's on Hulu. Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm going to start that. 
and it won some awards this year. So if that helps with anything. He's such a good actor. He is. He's amazing in it. He's so good. Okay, cool. I'm going to have to watch. And aside from that, I don't think I have anything else. I don't think so, too. Either. Whichever one. <laughs> Both work. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I guess we can get into our spiel. Okay, let's do it. So you can find us on Instagram at Creme Colts and Coffee, and that's where we post our pictures of the coffees that we've reviewed um, and then the link tree in our bio you can also find all the listening platforms that crime cults and coffee is on you can also find us on facebook at crime cults and coffee and that's where weekly resources photos links call to actions all that kind of stuff is posted so check that out yes and before i say my little spiel i just wanted to make note for anyone who hadn't noticed in last week's episode, we had mentioned a GoFundMe for a fallen officer, Sean Slagansky, and I had put a note in our show notes as well as in our highlights on Instagram that the GoFundMe has now closed, but there's a redirect where you can still donate to his family, and it the, all the information is in the show notes and or our highlights on Instagram. Right. So... If you would like to give a listener story or a case suggestion, you can email us at crimecoltoncoffee at gmail.com or send a DM at crimecoltoncoffee on Instagram. Also, if you would be so kind to leave a rating and review, and please try not to be so harsh when Kelsey leaves me because <laughs> I'll get into it next week, but the format obviously is going to be changing and bear with me while I figure it out. And I'm gonna I'm tearing up right now thinking about you leaving Kels. It's gonna be you're gonna be amazing and I wish it didn't have to happen, but it is. And now I'm getting sad too. Yeah, but it it's okay. You'll have to get come on as a guest sometimes. I will. <laughs> okay. Anyway, if you'd be so kind to leave a rate and review, you can do that on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever platform allows you to do so. And if you can't, on the platform you listen to us on, on any listening platform of your choice, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. All right. And I think that is it. Thank you guys so much for everything. And I will be back at some point. All right. Bye. We love bye. you, Kelsey. Love you. <laughs> love you. Bye. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook